Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan, And hey, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Now, Sean's going to tell the story for this week, but before we do, a quick announcement because we've been working for some time trying to write kind of the definitive guide to corporate storytelling. And we've, we're releasing a substantial paper in on the 29th of October and with the idea to explain the various uses of, of corporate storytelling. And so if you keep an eye on our social media, uh, our newsletter, etc., then you'll see that. And we're also going to use the podcast to focus on some of those areas. And we're going to get some guests in, so uh, partners, experts in the fields, covering some of the topics like leadership, brand communication, values, strategy, innovation. So you'll see some uh, changes in the podcast over the next six to eight weeks as we focus in some of these key topics around the use of corporate storytelling. Yeah, it should be great fun, actually. I'm looking forward to it, uh, having those conversations with who we've got lined up. Um, great group of people. Yeah, and I've, I've been talking to some of them and hearing some of the, some of the examples, some of the stories that uh, they have experienced that illustrate some of those areas. And there are some real corkers amongst them. So I'm looking forward oh, to it. Oh, good, 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 good. Fantastic. Well, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and it's good to have, it will be good to have that paper out too. It's, it's really, uh, you know, a high level view, I guess, of all the different ways in which you can use story technique, as Mark said. And just so more and more people get an idea of you know, how you can bring humanity back into organizations with, with narrative approaches. Yeah, and all, all the different so what ways. Do you reckon? You... There you go, Mark. Yeah, all you the different saying? ways. All the different ways that you can use this tool, this yeah. tool called story. Yeah. So, would you like my uh, story for the day? I would. I'm, I'm on okay. the edge of my seat. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. I bet you are. I bet you are. Yeah. Metaphorically. Uh, well, so you know, we we know, I guess, and we I think everyone knows from from their experience that it's really hard to change people's minds, right? And so I think this this example kind of illustrates that problem and and uh, might even give us some insight in how we might be able to turn that around. But it's actually, a, uh, I actually learned this from the podcast, This American Life. Uh, they had a great episode uh, last year. I think it was uh, in, in February last year. So a few, a few months ago now, but they were talking about where, uh, you know, the whole concern, if you like, about MSG, you know, monosodium glutamate, that uh, flavoring that often turns up in Chinese food sort of came from. Well, it turned out that in, in 1968, a, a researcher called Dr. Robert Homan Kwok, uh, he was actually working at the National Biological Resources Foundation, he, write, he writes this letter to the New England Journal of Medicine, right? And recounts an experience that he had, which sort of sums up a number of experiences he actually had uh, eating out at Chinese restaurants. And, you know, and because he has that heritage, he was able to pinpoint, in fact, that with northern Chinese food that was particularly problematic, he thought. Anyway, he explains that after after his meal, he would get numbness down the back of his neck, down his arms, kind of general weakness and palpitations. And he then lists some of the possible culprits, right? 
he sort of says, oh, well, maybe it was the soy sauce that was the problem. And he goes, no, 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 it wasn't. It couldn't have been that because, you know, we use it at home and, you know, I don't get any problems at home. And and then he sort of says, oh, well, maybe it was the cooking wine they're using. And he said, no, I don't think it's that. And then, then he pinpoints, you know, maybe high salt content, dismisses that, and finally gets to the last one. Well, or it could be the monosodium glutamate seasoning, you know, the MSG seasoning. Now, that little letter to the editor was titled, you know, in bold letters, uh, Chinese Restaurant Syndrome, right? Anyway, it didn't take very long for the newspapers around the US and then around the world to pick up on this story, right? And, of course, they sort of say, you know, researcher shows that MSG uh, causes the Chinese restaurant syndrome and, and it just takes off, you know. And we're talking, you know, really the 70s and 80s. And I remember, you know, in those days, you probably remember too, Mark, you know, you'd go to a, a Chinese restaurant, they'd have a, a sign just near the door that would say something like, no MSG used here or, you know, some, yeah. some sort of warning sign like that. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it well. Yeah, exactly. So it became a big thing. And I think... Uh, even to this day, uh, there is a real connection between MSG and 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 feeling poorly after going to a Chinese restaurant. Um, but you've got to remember that was a that was a letter to an editor. There was no research. In fact, um, Dr. Kwok was sort of saying that, "Hey, I don't have the resources to do the research here. Can my colleagues do that? Is there anyone out there who could do that?" Anyway, research started to happen. And in the early days, uh, it was mainly done on on animals. Poor old mice were involved. Uh, they were given way too much MSG, and of course, it showed they had a reaction. Um, <laughs> but it, but it, it didn't really reflect how humans uh, sort of use it and and uh, take it on. So eventually, they started to do human trials, and when they started doing the human trials, and 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 providing doses which were similar to what you would get in a restaurant, um, study after study showed that there were no uh, effects between having MSG in your food and anything that happened afterwards. And they put it down to uh, a sort of a variety of after-dinner illnesses, you know, overeating, uh, sort of all sorts of things that could happen. And people would just sort of, oh, no, that's the MSG. Um, now... It's interesting when I when I go and talk to my friends, like just when I heard this podcast, I started asking around. I just sort of said, "So, have you, um, you know, what do you think about MSG? They've shown that MSG doesn't have an impact on uh, the response that you have to eating Chinese food." And they categorically would say that is so untrue. I went to a restaurant, and they would more or less tell the same sort of story that Doctor Kwok did, and very hard to change their minds. So, you know, once a story gets in their head, especially a story, it's the first story as well, not, not just a, a strong story, but the first story gets in your head, very difficult to shift. So what do you reckon? Mark, do you, uh, do you have a, um, you know, a strong connection between MSG and uh, the response you get from it? Do you? Well, I'm, Over those I'm, years. I'm, I'm very tempted, you know, to logically say, no, 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 because, you know, that all makes total sense to me. But it's not true. I, I do. I still have an association. And I remember in the 80s, like, uh, you know, oh, let's go to a Chinese. Did I use MSG? Would be my question. Like, yep. still, I still have that. Uh, and 
uh, even though I, I rationally now understand that uh, there's no there's no correlation. Uh, research yeah. shows there's no correlation between the feeling poorly after a Chinese meal and those very symptoms and the MSG. But still, it's, it's there. Uh, it's I think the researchers would go even one step further and say that there's no causation. So there's a big call, but I think that's what they're saying. Yeah. Right. Yep. But um, so, I mean, it's it's such an interesting story, I think, because um, for one thing, uh, you know, Robert Homan Kwok tells it as a story, right? So in a way, that's, that's, that is become so compelling in itself. And, it, and it's not just any story. It's a mystery story. And we know from research and our experience is that if you can have a, a story where people are going, oh, I wonder what happens next, or oh, maybe it is that. No, 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 it's not that. You know, oh, it's this. Oh, maybe it's that, that sort of story. We love that type yeah. of story. Well, right? didn't, G, didn't Robert Giordini do the research on the most referenced uh, scientific papers and the ones that are most referenced are the ones that are written as mystery stories? Mystery. That's it. He did. Absolutely. Yeah. So, we love them. Yeah, yeah. So... The, so the fact that it, it was written as a story, I thought, was very interesting. Um, but what do you think? What what do you like about the actual story itself, Mark? What other things stand out for you? Well, so first of all, familiarity. I'm like I'm very familiar with the concept, the relationship yep. between MSG and feeling poorly after a Chinese meal, and you know my experience. So um, for me, that that relationship is very strong. But I think for anybody, they you know that. Just the idea of everyone's eaten at a Chinese restaurant, so or nearly everybody. So uh, it's a familiar concept. So one of the things that is strong about that story is that it's so familiar. So every, or not every day, but it's a common occurrence. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and I think people will have a point of view about this, right? And a strong point of view, I think. So that'll be interesting. Um, it kind of illustrates the point, doesn't it? You know, when people... They hear the research and they discount it because that's not their personal experience, right? And I always find it interesting. I Every now and then I'll have a friend or a family member sort of saying, Sean, you're so into science, aren't you? You know, you know you're always going to the science. It's like as if this was a, you know, a, a poor approach. And I, I'm always tempted to sort of uh, snatch their iPhone away from it at that point because if they're not into the science, they shouldn't be allowed to have science yeah. and the results <laughs> of science. You know, let's take that iPhone away. Let's turn off the lights. Uh, yeah, but anyway, um, yeah, I think that's that. I think, you know, having the person's name, having the fact that I think one of the reasons why this story really took off is because it came from you know, a highly regarded uh, scientific journal, right? A med medical journal. And I don't think it would have had the same response if it was just in, you know, a new idea or something like that. It, it was the New England Journal of Medicine, right? Yep. And the guy was a researcher at the uh, something, something, you know, impressive. Foundation. Impressive. Yeah, it sounded impressive, um, doesn't it? Yeah. And so, it, but it, it sounds like, an article written in the New England Journal, but of course it's not. As you clearly said, it's a letter to the editor. It's yeah. not science-based, and and but people concatenate it. Oh, it was in the New England because it's easy. To, it's like we see happening with COVID. It's in the right. New England medical uh, medical journal. Yes, and it's like yeah, but it's a, it's a letter to the editor. But the story becomes it's 
published data, but it's really just... Well, that's right. And, and yeah. it would have been harder back in those days for people to even check out what oh. the original source was, right? You'd have to go to a library, you'd have to go and find that journal. Um, and, you know, whereas the newspapers are just splashing it across the front page, you know, Chinese restaurant syndrome, you know, beware of MSG, it causes you these problems because, you know, and this has been reported by, you know, a senior researcher at the National Biological Resources Foundation uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine. I mean, it sounds pretty darn convincing, doesn't it? I mean, how can you argue against that? Because, yeah. I mean, do you then, you, you just don't know to then ask, oh, but was it was it a, a published article or was it a letter to the editor? You yeah. just don't even, you don't even go there. Um, yeah. So another thing that I liked about that story was the the element of surprise, which was the notwithstanding. Oh, sorry. There's the story about Chinese restaurant syndrome, but then yeah. the science clearly shows that there is no correlation, oblique causation, between yeah. MSG and the thing. But it doesn't. But that doesn't matter. No. Because. We still have that the, the the story in our heads is so strong. So so that little surprise bit, I think, is uh, very strong in that story. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, and you know, I think you know there, there'd be a bunch of things that would be running through people's heads as they as they hear that journey. They they would be reminded of experiences. I think that's. Probably poor experiences <laughs> poor, that they've poor, had yeah. at restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's if you've had a bad experience at a Chinese restaurant, and you know, maybe you're you know, vomiting afterwards and you know, hugging the toilet bowl, cursing the MSG. That that that's really going to embed. <laughs> Some neural correlation. connections are happening there. Aren't oh they? yeah. yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, now yeah. this is a classic example, isn't it? Of um, you know, where a fact. Uh, can't beat a story, right? So the it kind of it, it results in this fact that you know there's no uh, relationship between MSG and 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 how you feel after going to a restaurant and who uses MSG. Uh, that's the fact, and that will not beat someone's experience, right? The only way to beat well change someone's experience in that case, and even story even great storytelling wouldn't actually change it. You would actually have to give that person. A new experience, and you might have to fabricate that new experience. You might have to take them to a restaurant uh, that you know that uses MSG, or maybe you ask the chef to use this amount of MSG in their meal. Um, and you know, at the end of it, when they're all fine and dandy and having a great old time, you can sort of say, "Well, that you know, that was all full of MSG." Yet you don't have any response to it. I think you'd probably there'd be some ethical issues here. It wouldn't get past any ethical committee in a, um, uh, you know, a university research study, I would imagine. Um, but that's the type of thing you'd have to do. You'd have to help them create, trigger their own new story. Right? Okay, and so we've kind of moved now. We've morphed into how to use this in a business context. Because if you're dealing with a uh, some a new idea and there are strongly entrenched views against that idea then you could use this story and say, and, and so folks, we can't just go out there and give facts. In fact, not even a story would work. What experiences can we create for people that they can come to, to a new story? Mm. And so, and, and you might <laughs> you might use the example of taking someone to a, to a, a Chinese restaurant, amping up the uh, MSG and then going, see? 
Wouldn't it be a bit sad, though, if she, they have some terrible palpitations and collapse in front of you? Um, that That's when you go, God damn, that, yep. that didn't go down well. <laughs> well, you'd have, to, you'd have to avoid all of those things that, 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 that causes this in the first place, you know, like make sure that people don't stuff themselves stupid, you know, eat three times as much food as they normally would, uh, you know, eat yeah. later, much later than they normally would or eat faster than they normally would or starve themselves for, a, you know, for the day beforehand so they could fit more, you know, all those things that kind of led to the rapid eating. You know, I'm doing the, 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 the syndrome. Here. <laughs> yeah. The syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, shall we talk though about what could make this story better? We did. I, I did jump, you know, there, but you know, that's, that's okay. It's a you skip a bit, brother. Yep. That's all right. So, um, what do you reckon? What would you make? What would you suggest to make that story better? Do you think? Well, as you know, I'm a bit of a, a hard ass when it comes to finding fault with stories. Um, I'm, I'm my 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 list of how to make it even better is blank. It's got. I, I liked it. Blank time and what? place. Blank. No, I've got no no suggestions for improvement there. Although I, I guess it does take us back to the conversation we had as we were preparing, which was that if you tell that story without a, a clear business point, then it can yeah. kind of you know it's it, sort it, of peters yeah, out. First, than, yeah, that's right. My first telling didn't really have an ending of yeah. the story, did it? Because it didn't uh, have a point. I was just telling the story, and then when you hear just the story, you think, oh. What's that? You know, that's that that's interesting, but you know, without that relevance statement, without the point, it's really, uh, yeah, it, it sort of jumps up a lot once you you top and tail it with a you know a point and and you wrap it up with a point. Yeah, so even a really good story told without a purpose kind of falls flat, and yeah. that's a key lesson yeah. for using story in business. Just figure out what the point is, and then tell the story in a way that in the way that makes that point. And bingo, bango, off yeah, you, you got go. it. Okay, so how will we use it? Well, I think we've already shown you use it around, um, gee, change is hard. Hard to change people's minds. Um, you know, here's an example of that. Um, it doesn't give you a solution per se, does it? You have to jump a bit further to, to get a solution. But Yeah, well, I can imagine using this with a, with a project team who are, uh, you know, any sort of, transformation, change, whatever. Just, just folks, be aware. Just because you say it's a good thing doesn't mean that people are going to embrace it because it's hard to yes. change people's minds. That's really right. powerful story. And Actually, kind of Go on. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, you could tell this story and what it would get people thinking about is, let's say you're doing a change in your organisation. It gets you thinking about, so what are the experiences you know, my stakeholders have actually had? You know, what are the core experiences that really, you know, guide how they, they see the world and how they're going to see this change? And, you know, of course, we would run anecdote circles to find those stories out, right? Mm. And, uh, and that would be one way of doing it. But sort of really gets you thinking, you know, what's the, what's the background books? You know, what are, the, what are the stories in people's heads? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Another one is, I think, uh, another business point is the importance of being first with the story. First, right. First story advantage. First story wins. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, it often wins. It's really hard to supplant that the, the the first story. And I know you wrote that wrote about that in uh, in putting stories to work. And uh, I, I guess an example of the that first story advantage came about with COVID when organisations are struggling to respond 
And right. you, you need to get that response story quick. Otherwise, people are going to make stuff up. And yeah. Take, yeah, that's right. And, and exactly. now we're, we're in a position where it's no longer a response story. It's now a recovery story. And so, again, you have to have a really compelling story. Otherwise, people are going to make it up. Yes, exactly. Especially as, you know, things start to open up again, you know, in our different uh, states and, and countries. Well, that's and right. Here in Australia. You need a, yeah, you need a good recovery story. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is that... that if if you don't move quickly to create the, the well, you know, well, I guess we're terming it a recovery story, then then people are going to start making it up, and they'll and that becomes the first story that others hear, and then you put yourself behind the eight ball, you know, because then, yes. then you've got to then you've got to overcome first story advantage because you, yeah. you you didn't you didn't have it. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, I think this is another illustration too of uh, you know. Um, you know the, the 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 structure of a story can make a difference in the sense of you know a mystery story format actually can have a really good impact. I think that's only if you're really talking to people about story. You know the ins mm. and outs of story. It's not so much a business point that you would make. Um, yeah, but I think the two two that we've talked about make a lot of sense. Yeah, another potential business point is uh, around raising people's awareness of unconscious bias and. We don't even know, you know, like most people wouldn't even be aware of why they have this negative association of MSG with uh, bad. And yes, they just have it. It's completely unconscious. And, and even though, as I say, you, you asked me as we were preparing you know, my view of MSG, I went, oh, no, no, MSG is fine because I knew the story. But I know that when I ask myself honestly, I've still got MSG. A little MSG equals bad equation buried in my head. Did you do you reckon you had that still going around in your head because you had an experience or because the stories were just so um, you know pervasive back back in the day when when it was a really big thing? Yeah, I mean, I I, I would be guessing if I said. You know, like I'd like to say, oh yeah, I remember the experience went, but I, I don't remember that. I think it was because it was just so pervasive. Pervasive, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, those people who have had a strong experience, that's that's they're the ones that are, it's hard for them to to move to a new view of the world. It just shows you how important it is to understand people's experiences. Uh, that's right, and of course we learn. If you know for the best way to learn, of course, is to have the experience. I'm not saying that having a bad experience at a Chinese restaurant is a good thing, but you know you learn strongly when you have the experience, and the next one is you learn vicariously through others. And so somebody has a bad experience, and then they tell lots of people, and you go, "Oh, I've Don't learned something." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Well, anything else we need to to cover off on this one, Mark? I think we're good. Uh, we're good. We're, we're sorted. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Well, let's give it a rating then. Uh, what do you think? So I'm giving give this. I'm, I'm I'm giving this one an eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Yep. Yep. And it's because as we continued to talk about it, that point about changing people's minds became clear. And that's like a super example and I can see myself using it. Before that point was became clear to me, I would have given it a five. 
but now you use it for um, in, in that purposeful way and it just zings jumps up yeah it is a zinger All right. a zinger i'm going to give it an eight as well i think it's a good story to have in your back pocket one that you can use one that makes some strong points and um yeah it's a good one to have your story bank yep very so good. Don't forget, don't forget about the corporate storytelling paper that's going to be released on the 29th of October. If you're interested in learning more about how the, the myriad ways story can help businesses get better results, then then keep an eye Check out on out. our socials. And you know. Actually, one of the good things about that storytelling paper that we put together is that we've got lots of links to other resources. So it's not just the paper itself. It's that it's, it just becomes a resource for you to to delve into different elements of um, you know business storytelling. Fantastic. Well, it's been great to uh, spend some more time with you and uh, thanks for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. Of course, tune in next week where we have another episode for you on how to put stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.